we'll welcome into the studio the young, handsome, dashing man from Wales. His name is Richard Smith, known as the Keto Pro, and um, he should just be popping up. There we are. All, all lies. <laughs> young, good-looking, <laughs> dashing. Lies, lies, I tell you. Rich is saving his voice for later, you know, when he goes into a long, convoluted answer. So I'm, I'm doing a bit of the chatting tonight. Drone, it's because a study is showing that red meat is causing diabetes in the study, a Harvard study, yeah, um, hmm, bought and paid for. And actually, there's no such study that shows the cause and effect of red meat causing diabetes. There is no such study um, that does that. So um, there we go. It's probably... An opinion piece or something. Pamela Gordon, good morning from Australia. Good day. Um, I was going to do a video, and it was going to have a clickbait title, and I still might do it. That I would not go keen. I would not go keto if I was looking today, and that is clickbait, right? Uh, but I would want to get across that if I went on YouTube now instead of ten years ago. I would not have found keto. I would not have found low carb. I would not have found carnivore and I would not have got fit and healthy. I would still possibly be pre-diabetic. I might even be dead. I've got to be honest with you. Um, you know, because I had lower left quadrant pain. I was having colonoscopies. I was very unwell and um, I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I followed the food guidelines and my health was atrocious. You know, I didn't touch fat. I didn't eat red meat. You know, did all the things that you're supposed to do, and I was getting pre-diabetic, lower left quadrant pain, so on my way to some serious problems, coronary artery calcium scan, 639. Uh, I was getting cataracts. I had skin problems, everything. It was it was atrocious now. So I've, so now, if I went on YouTube, all I'd see is this anti-keto rubbish. I wouldn't find Dr. Berg. I wouldn't find Ken Berry. And I think it's atrocious, and I don't care that I'm on YouTube saying that because that's what I feel. And if they want to take this down, they can take it down. But I don't, I don't think they should because that's my personal experience, and that's that's what that's what's happening to people. Uh, Tom, uh, when I eat carnivore OMAD, oh here we go, uh, a question. Here we go. So when I eat carnivore OMAD, one meal a day, I often get sniffles while eating. I don't use any seasoning except salt. Why would this be? Well, I'm going to be honest, Tom, I have not ever had that ever um, asked of me. So um, I would imagine it's something to do with the mechanical digestion. Because once you start chewing, you produce saliva. This is all speculation. And amylase, you produce amylase. But everything starts happening. Now, 80% approximately of your taste is your olfactory system, all right, which is which is the things up your nose, basically. When you smell what you're eating, um, this sounds quite freaky, but it is actual particles of what you're eating. That's that's what the smell is. So um, you have got those particles going up your nose. So it could be that the fact that you're chewing, it's moving all your ear, nose and throat and all the different changes in pressure. It could be the smells. I'm not saying the smells are bad. The whole point of the smell is actually to stop you eating stuff that's you know, gone off, for instance, uh, which then backs up the taste. So if you smell something, let's say um, the easiest one to talk about is like, like da- dairy. And you're, oh, I'm not sure about that. Uh, just taste it. Oh, wow, that's sour. That's not right. Okay. So your smell is your first line of defense. 
But that doesn't mean it, it's only looking for bad things. It's also looking for good things. So it could just be that that whole system starts to get a little bit of stimulation. Um, I also think the, the motion of your chewing can can spark that up a bit. So you could have, uh, oh, blimey, it's going back to my training now. You could have something like, your, I think it's called Gilbert's disease, where um, sometimes you get a slight sort of drip back of um, phlegm from your nose. but um, Rich, I know you're saving yourself uh, for <laughs> for something, but do you have anything you want to add? No, I think you've covered that. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Didn't even give me a chance to try your wonderful electrolyte. Uh, but yes, they're good. Did you send me the chocolate thing? I have not yet. I haven't. Right. Um, okay, well, I've got you on video. got you on video now. Yes, I will. I promise. I will arrange it tomorrow. That's okay, man. I'm teasing you. Right, and if you haven't ever bought anything off um, Richard's website, the Keto Pro, um, if you're new and you put new, new Keto 10, you'll get 10% off your first order. Cammy, woohoo! Hi, everyone. Hi, Cammy. Thank you for getting um, Sally K. Norton's team in touch with me. That's brilliant. So, Sally K. Norton who knows everything you need to know about oxalates and more, is coming on to the live stream in a few Sundays. And it's all thanks to Cammy. So um, I can't thank you enough. I really cannot thank you enough. So th- And thank you for today's support as well. Uh, the censoring, yeah, so this is her, but the censoring are just the proof you're all not wrong. Yes, absolutely. Yes, if... You think about all the companies that are trying to stop their advertising on Rumble, for instance, the latest one being Burger King. Virtually every company that wants to um, stop advertising on Rumble is a company I would not want to buy from anyway. So it says quite a lot um, of what's going on. Anyway, right, Tam. So this week I've decided to check my keto bloods. So it. Ranges from 0.8, and later on in the week, I'm now 1.5. I'm assuming keto, yes, just ketones, but still eating the same six eggs and chuck steak. Have you tried these things that you put on your arm? Which, which I'm assuming, Tam, you mean the continual glucose monitor. I've not personally done that, but I have a keto mojo and I've used the finger sticks and I've done, um, you know, maybe four or five readings in a day, and I've had clients that have used the CGMs, and 0.8 is pretty good anyway, and 1.5 is, is a great level of ketone production. And if you're not taking exogenous ketones, that's like taking something like this and quaffing your ketones from outside. That's all exogenous means. You're adding it from outside, um, and you're just doing the f- eating eggs and steak, and your ketones have gone up. That's good. That's uh, that's pretty good. Um so, Rich, do you want to? Do you, if you want to interject, you could put your hand up, or just butt in. All right, don't. Yeah, we'll do it. Um, yeah, I've learned today something. Again, this is really annoying and nothing to do with carnivore. I learned today at my breakfast uh, with an ex-teacher that um, one of her uh, her sister's child was told in class, "We don't put our hands up anymore." If you want to ask a question, you have to get our attention some other way. Absolutely ridiculous. If what's happening in education, or maybe it was that in that local education area, is ridiculous. But anyway, right. Uh, 
So Copper's Carnival Kitchen. Very sad that I am really starting to see Carnival cliques. And it's getting pretty disgusting, to be honest. It went from everyone supporting each other to a competition on who can post more. Um, I must admit, I don't really see that. I just think some people just stay in the same circles. Because Rich and I, people could say, well, you're a clique. You've you've had um, Dr. Chafee. You've had Kilts on, Dr. Kilts. Um, Colt you've had on, we'll probably have Jonathan on. They might think, well, look, there's five, six blokes there all doing the same thing. So it might just look that way. I I don't know um, if if that is really a true thing. I, I mean, I just think it's just the circles we all work in. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel that. I don't feel it's a trick. Yeah, I, I, don't know, I don't know if I disagree a little bit, Steve. I'm finding that... Um... People are becoming, uh, you know, we're all, whether you're keto or carnivore, it's all the same metabolic state. And people who are carnivore will look at keto as being different, but it's still the same metabolic state. And then, there, you know, we've covered this previously. There's different types of being keto from, you know, starting low carb, dirty keto, um, standard keto, clean keto, uh, strict keto, then carnivore. And there's different subsections of car- being carnivore. Um, and I think what um, Copper's Kitchen is, is alluding to there is within our community, if you're carnivore and suddenly you're seen drinking coffee, you know, there's there's riots or if, you know, you, you're seen doing eating berries or um, taking stevia with something, um, everybody seems to be in their own little lane. And uh, there's a lot of animosity that I, th- I think between all of these different fractions Whereas we're all on the same journey, um, we're all on the same journey. It's up for that individual to decide where on that path that they want to reside. And you don't have to be strict carnivore, you know. You every day, you don't have to never. You know, I, I, I don't drink raw milk, um, you know, but I know a lot of carnivores that do. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to tell another carnivore who drinks raw milk that they shouldn't be drinking raw milk or. or drinking coffee you know dr chafee doesn't drink coffee because of the acrylamide um you know i i drink coffee occasionally you know there's um some people will indulge in in, in other in other f- forms of sweet treats doesn't mean that you're not carnivore um and i think that's what copper's kitchen is alluding to is that everybody seems to be getting the knives out against someone who doesn't follow their their agenda you know 100 percent um but I think, and it, it did used to be more supportive. You know, I, I've got, uh, as you know, a Facebook group and it's a low carb keto carnivore group. So I support anyone. And obviously we've just started the new one on, on Mighty Networks, which will pop a link below. Um, I will support anyone who wants to make a change. You know, um, whether you are low carb, whether you want to be strict keto, if you just want to be dirty keto for the rest of your life, you're going to be fitter and healthier than you were if you were living a standard, what we call a, you know, a standard sick diet. Um, but if, you, if that's what you want to be, that's fine. Um, if you want to be... I didn't wake up yesterday and decide to be a carnivore. I started with low carb 10, 11 years ago, and it was through these incremental changes that I, I've gravitated into becoming carnivore. Um, I was ketogenic for eight years. I'm still ketogenic because it's still the same metabolic state. I went into becoming more carnivore four years ago. And now, as I've learned more through my journey, I've gone deeper and deeper into that, and I've began to remove other things that I wouldn't consume. But 
I didn't wake up yesterday being carnivore. So we do need to support everybody regardless of where they are on their journey. But I noticed that within, you know, the Facebook group that I have, you know, somebody will post a picture of something that is low carb, but maybe contains some form of, of gluten. Um, and they will be, this person would be new to my group. And then 10 people would jump on their back and ridicule them. That's not keto, blah, 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 blah. And then that person's taken a lot of courage to do that post. And then they disappear from my group and they never post again. You know, we need to be more supportive. Um, not everybody wants to be as strict as we we are, you know. Uh, if they want to do fantastic, if they don't, then that's great. But we're all about education across the board. Um, and I'm, you know, I don't I don't want our channel to be that way. I think I want to be open to to everybody. If you if you want to eat nothing but beef, then brilliant. If you want to eat, you know, your low carb breads and wraps and pastas and and be dirty keto, then that's fine by me too. All we'll do is put that education out. We will teach you uh, that there's always a little bit further that you can go. There's always a little bit further you can move down that rabbit hole. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. Um, you know, you'll never get that from me. Um, you know, within our group, Stephen, I'm sure. You know, I'm, I'm sure you can attest to the same. But I, th I think that's what Copper's Kitchen's alluding to. Uh, I may be wrong, but it, it, it does. This seems to be a lot of animosity, even within. You know, it, it's us against the rest of the world, and then within our our own groups, there seems to be these sub factions where people are getting on their high horse and, you know, this isn't keto, that's not keto, this isn't carnivore. It's all one and the same. Yeah, and that, that yes, yes, maybe that's what it is. It comes across like there's groups that want to do high fat and those that want to do, yes, I, I, I definitely get that. And I think um, we're obviously open to every sort of person that wants to get well. And and, and as you say, I mean, I... I I never push anything onto anyone. I'm not a zero tolerance sort of person. I think Adam, who went by the name of the fat addict, you know, I've interviewed him. We did the success story and he talked about it being dirty keto and, you know, talked about that. And then um, the intentional carnivore who lost 262 pounds. I mean, he, he, I'm sure I remember him saying he was doing dirty carnivore. So I think... If it works for you, and you know why be picky? I mean, so, why? It's, sorry, it's, a, it's a it's a stepping stone, isn't it? So Adam was yeah. a client of mine. Um, Adam uh, did the Fat Club with me, which is now live uh, through our Mighty Networks. That's a fantastic course with incremental changes, and that's how um, you know Adam progressed on that. And I think he's lost eleven stone to date. Um, mm. And predominantly, if 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 I, if I when Adam came to see me, if, if I said to Adam. Because we did a Zoom, we did a Zoom consultation. If I said to him, go away and eat nothing but this, 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 and this, I know for a fact that he would have looked at me as if I was absolutely mental and he wouldn't have implemented any change at all. But when you give people one or two little tidbits and you educate them, what you do is when you educate, you arm somebody with the knowledge to make an educated decision. So then when it comes to eating a specific food, if you want to call it a food, we can make a decision on whether to eat that food in regards to what that food contains. Um, and that's exactly what Adam did. And many of my clients begin as, as dirty keto. Uh, and that's fine. If we can educate them to become carnivore, which I'd, I've done with thousands of, of customers and clients, and that's fantastic. Some don't. Some just want to remain low carb um, because it suits their lifestyle. 
but we will yeah. continue to educate and allow them to make those changes. And Coppers Carnival Kitchen, thank you very much for the donation, $20. You can do this super chat if you want to support us, and that really would go a long way to helping us. Um, but just uh, clarifying, by cliques, I mean the personalities of some of the brand new creators who are just about the monetization and attention and do not have a true message to share. You both have an amazing message to share, and that's that's very kind of you and really, and really nice to say that. I, I do appreciate that. Also, um, I appreciate that. The the other comment that you put, because uh, going back to the, the 24-hour live stream, we were definitely the first because that is on. Now, they know we're first. But, yeah. and, but uh, it's time-stamped. It's the comment Because apparently they got spanked for telling that person that you guys were the first and they got banned. You got because yeah. so Coppers Carnival Kitchen got banned for pointing out that we were first. And um, you know, I didn't bother going on and saying, by the way, we did the twenty-four hour uh, live stream, and it was quite highly uh, advertised. It was on Doctor Chafee's channel as well, and you know, I think we've had I don't know about sixty thousand views across the board. So. It wasn't exactly underknown, and and many influencers did it. And I think a few of the influencers that went on to that other one, and I, I I'm fine. I'm supportive. If if someone wants to do that, that's great. The more we're out there talking about carnival, the better. That's you know, I'm not I'm not actually griping about it, but I do feel that if you're going to say you're doing the first one ever, you do be just check your facts that you're doing the first one ever. That that That's all that got me. I thought that was a bit strange. And um, yeah, sorry, Rich, I'll cut you off there, but I really wanted to get yeah, that on there. Coming back to what you just said, I had the impression that they saw we were doing it and decided to jump on it. And because we are not as well known, you know, they thought they'd take credit. And uh, and I, I'll say it, I know you don't want, but, uh, it, you know, if they are listening, we were first. So, you know, it, it, but, I mean, that's yeah. just facts, you know. Um, Matthew, I highly appreciate everything you both do. You deserve many, many more views, in my opinion, along with Judy Cho and Sean Baker. You are the best people in the carnival low-carb community. Um, for those listening to the audio podcast, I do apologize if you're listening, <laughs> looking for questions. I am just reading the comments. Um, we're not making this a love fest uh, or to sort of <laughs> – anyway. If a question comes up, we'll answer it. Tam, and track your levels and what's spiking your insulin. So, yeah, so we're going back to the continual glucose monitor. I, when I started as an obesity and diabetes specialist practitioner, I spent most of my time undoing the work of other people because the clients would come to me and say, well, I'm doing everything they've told me, small meals, six times a day. I'm starting with oatmeal, you know, and um, basically – eating carbs that's what basically they were doing and i would say about um if you get a continual glucose monitor or you get a keto mojo or you get any sort of glucose device you can eat the foods they're recommended and you can look at the difference in your blood glucose and see if really they're recommending foods that are great for you and then you could eat something i'm recommending let's say scrambled eggs with bacon and see what difference that makes your blood glucose. So you don't have to listen to me. You don't have to listen to these other so-called experts because you're listening to those so-called experts and it isn't working and they're blaming you and thinking you're not complying. Right. So do this, eat a banana and see what happens. Eat some porridge or oatmeal as you call it and see what happens to your blood glucose. Eat some eggs and see what happens. Now, um, 
the the fat club, um, you know, I've just done a video about the different types of breakfast. So I can remember this off the top of my head. And uh, I got the graphic from the wonderful David Unwin, Unwin Dr. David Unwin, fantastic guy, and uh, one of the best people in the UK t- to deal with diabetes. And I used those graphics. And he's done graphics for um, oatmeal, for bananas, for maple syrup, for skim milk, all different combinations. And it's sugar cubes. What these breakfasts will do in relation to your blood glucose. Um, so the breakfast that this client was being recommended was the equivalent of 27 teaspoons of sugar, scrambled egg with bacon, butter, and a Swiss water decaf coffee was less than a teaspoon of sugar for the effect on the body. So, you, you know, it, it, it's just incredible. It's just absolutely incredible. Um, yes, so... That's one of the things that's good about the glucose monitors. And I can assure you, because I learned this when I was studying, that when they were first postulated to be released to the public, many, many doctors and experts did not want the public to have glucose monitors in their hands. And they absolutely tried to stop that happening. Uh, And you've just got to worry about why that would be. And I can tell you why it would be, because everything they're saying is not... um, not going to be helpful. I get a feeling we can get taken off the air at some point. But anyway, right. Uh, I kind of almost thought I like Stephen and Richard. Nice combination between being real, charismatic, and intelligent. Very helpful content. Thank you. Yeah. We talk. Um, yeah. So basically, Rich, we're 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 fooling them. <laughs> so uh, Herbert, colleague of mine, sees the benefits on me. And still he reads one article in the news that red meat causes diabetes and now he's unsure. And and that's the biggest bugbear. The evidence of your own eyes is um, trumped by the mainstream media. You know, and this is this is heartbreaking. And I get this at least once a week from clients that say, and I bore people with this, but I always use this example. It's just generic. This is what they sort of say. Um I've lost 60 pounds, my blood pressure has lowered, I'm off my medications, I don't need to inject myself with insulin anymore, I have more energy, I sleep better, and um, I went back to my doctor and said I'm off all my meds and I'm feeling great, and they asked me, what, and they say, wow, that's great, what are you doing? And I tell them that I'm doing low carb, and they say, oh, that'll kill you. And that's what it's like, the evidence of your own experience, and I even have clients that then message me and say i'm really worried now my doctor has just said this is going to kill me um i get this with uh, blood tests as well but anyway right uh, just M- emma another good supporter yes i always try to like and comment and share which helps this live stream has been such valuable and great uh, information happy open vibe thank you very much uh jay Roo, i've been plugging you on uh some of the Facebook carnival groups. Thank you very much. It is appreciated. I promise you. Uh, agree, hundred percent. They should have way more views. Yep, that's uh, nice. Uh, and pursuit of bliss is really surprised that they got banned for saying, "Hey guys, there was somebody that did the twenty-four hour thing before you." Um, so, and uh, look, you see, Jonathan's getting some people subbing now, so that's good. So, and but that's what we're about, isn't it? I mean, when we did when we did the twenty four hour live stream, my rationale was number one, I want to get carnivore out there, uh, and Rich was new to me, 
but I realized that he had the same uh, feelings. So it wasn't a money thing. We didn't monetize it in any way. Um, we just said, right. And I came up, uh, I'm sorry about this, Rich, but I mean, I came up with the idea of doing it 24 hours because I, th- I felt that because it's slightly different, no one's ever done it. It might just get a little bit of attention and we get some people listening and it wouldn't be us that would get the uh, the viewers on. It would be Dr. Chafee, it would be Dr. Kilt, Sabrina Salt, Dr. Sabrina Salt and, um, you know, Judy Cho, you know, everybody that came on. Colt, Jonathan. So we were going for people that just do the job. Uh, Phil Escott, everybody. Ben Hunt, all these people. We were just getting everybody we could. Dr. Unwin, Jen Unwin. You know, the list was endless, but the idea was Sean Baker came on to everybody was supportive, you see, everybody. Um, behind the scenes, there's no money changing hands. I mean, Dr. Chafee did three hours. Now, the idea was this might get some traction. It will get some people, and hopefully a few people will now. Uh, Dr. Avadia, uh, so many different people. So um, there's so many different experts in different fields. Kevin Stock, Dr. Kevin Stock. So the loads and loads of people came on. And the idea was that, if you started to watch, you think, wow, all these doctors, basically, um, all these experts, all these coaches, nutritionists, everybody, they all think it's great. And then if you start it, let's say you are out there listening. I don't know who you are. Let's just pick somebody at random, you know, Mr. Random or Miss Random, whatever you want to call yourself. If you started it and you, you know, had some family issues where they're like, you shouldn't do this, you're going to die. You could say, well, here's one show that was in 24 hours and had, had 25 doctors on, all in a row, all talking about how good this is. So, that you know, it's supposed to be a very powerful message. So that was that. Um, right, trying to catch up now. I'm do, I'm taking over from Rich today, like I say, to save his voice. Um, but we're really keeping up with the comments. Uh, yeah, uh, the uh, <laughs> Copper's Carnival Kitchen. Um, yep. I was shocked. I just did not know how all of this got to be co- a competition. Just so that, yeah. So, like I say, we're not in competition. We're just we want everybody to do really well. That's uh, that simple as that. Right, uh, Alexandri. Hi guys, I'm on a carnivore diet for a month now. I was previously doing an animal-based diet with fruit and honey, but feels better with the carnivore diet. I'm working out in the gym uh, since two years, which is great, you know, and. Um, I'm assuming that you just went carnivore from the animal base because the fruit and honey wasn't making you feel as good as you'd like. So, yeah, that's great. Thanks for that feedback and welcome to the channel. I don't think I've seen that name before. Uh, Droney, how to feed up to doing a marathon on keto? A lot is saying it can't be done without carbs. Up the fat or how to. Right, well, last week, if you watched us last week, you would have seen that we had Sarah Davis on, who has run marathons not only just without carbs, but in a fasted state. So your body will give you the carbohydrates you need. And and, and Rich has unmuted himself, so I think we're going to get Rich. Rich is giving us a little bit of feedback. So, yeah, I I did pop a link um, in the chat in regards to a post that I recently, or a video that I recently recorded with Professor Tim Noakes. Um, I think it's currently on 38,000 views, incredible video. Um, but in answer to your question, um, I work with athletes from 
people who run 5Ks to Ironman athletes. Um, I have had Ironman athletes complete, uh, an Ironman in nine hours, nine, 10 hours, completely fasted with no food whatsoever. Um, you don't need any carbohydrates. The body will make the carbohydrates that you need. The body requires between five to 10 uh, milligrams of glucose per hour or grams of glucose per hour, which it will comfortably make through gluconeogenesis. Um, personally, I've, I always compete uh, when I compete in duathlons and running and cycling events completely fasted. I recently did the Cardiff half marathon with, uh, off the back of a 24-hour fast, which I completed in just over one and a half hours. And I'm new to running. It was only this year I've begun running. Um, this year, I was also training with a few of the guys in preparation for Ironman Wales. Uh, so I went down and cycled the course of them. And it's regarded as one of the toughest Ironman courses, cycling courses in the world. 112 miles over something like nine and a half thousand foot of elevation. And I'm new to cycling. Only this year, I have been cycling. Um, I completed that after fasting for 24 hours. And we were six or seven hours in the saddle. All I consumed was water uh, and electrolytes. Uh, the week later, I went back out and did it again. Um, and that week, I consumed exogenous ketones um, just to, to buffer um, the, the, the the pain in, in the legs. Um, BHB exogenous ketones or being keep fully keto adapted is a fantastic way um, to, to do that because it blocks inflammation. But you don't need anything. Um, but you need to do what suits you. So if you are the type of person who feels better with something in their belly before they do an event, then... Put some easy digestible fats in the night before. Um, you know, m- maybe uh, cheese could work well if 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 cheese works well for you. Uh, mince meat, uh, maybe some chicken breast. You know, with the skin on. Um, I would advise maybe away from things like omega three fatty fish because they don't store in the body. Um, and if you are wanting to store fat in the muscle in the intracellular myelipids, then we want to use a saturated fat. This is why you wouldn't technically fat load on on MCT oil either. Those are fantastic things to consume while working out or doing an event, but you wouldn't fat load on that. So think of you know, double cream or Greek yogurt potentially could, could work. But personally, I prefer to to compete on an empty stomach at minimum of 16 hours fasted. Just remember, if you are fully keto adapted, this is your energy. You have 15 times more energy stored in body fat uh, compared to your counterpart in uh, in carbs, um, and during that podcast, you know we we th- think of just going off subject. Think of the training that you do for a marathon. A lot of your training is probably done in uh, in zone two, zone two training. Um, but why do you do zone two training? And it's it's because you want to be in fat burning zone. So in there tells you everything that you need to know. All of these other athletes need to train their body to burn fat. If you are keto adapted or carnivore, you're already in fat burning mode. You know, we don't need to do as much zone two training. I'm not telling you it isn't beneficial because it is, uh, but we are already there. Other athletes need to need to train their body in zone two. Our bodies are already fat burner. Um, uh, it, marathon runners who run world record marathon times, um, if you were to test their body, they are producing ketones despite consuming silly levels of carbohydrate. Um even a lot of, you know, the elite athletes that you see who push carbohydrate, they push their bodies to such a level um, that their bodies are, are adapted enough that they produce ketones and most of their 
efforts could be sustained purely on ketones. It's just we are in this society that tells us that we need muscle glycogen. And again, that podcast with Professor Noakes um, points heavily away from this. And it's not to do with muscle glycogen, but to do with blood glucose. Um, but we need an ever so slight amount of blood glucose and maximum would be 10 grams per hour. So it's far, it's a far stretch from this 80 to 120 grams per hour that we are told. Uh, and that little, your body is capable of producing uh, naturally. So you do not need any exo- exogenous carbohydrate whatsoever. Uh, I could not cycle 112 miles uh, for seven hours uh, on zero carb if, and there it comes out, I was waiting for the book, if I was not, you know, f- fully keto adapted, we see that we see people doing this every day. Um, it's just unfortunately that the sugar companies can't make any money by selling you an energy gel that contains ten grams of of glucose because you could get this from one bite of a banana or um, any other source. So it's it's all a market employee. It's a market employee to sell you glucose in a sachet uh, in order to make money. It is. It's uh, w- one of the things that we mentioned that um, Professor Noakes um, has studied every study that has ever been done on carbohydrates and athletic performance. And there's over 400, 400 studies. So he is the world leading expert in regard. And this is coming from a person that is not wedded to the keto or carnivore lifestyle. If you remember, Professor Noakes wrote the book on carb loading. He wrote the law of running. Um, he was one of the original inventors of the GU Energy Gel, um, so he was he was in that society or or that belief system in regards to carbohydrate being required, uh, and he could have stayed there and made an absolute fortune off those beliefs. But when he realised the truth, you know, he came off his pedestal, admitted he was wrong, and I think it takes a big man to, to admit that. Many of us will not admit when we were wrong, uh, and for him to do that must mean that the evidence that he has seen is so profound um, that he's quite literally gone against everything that he has ever written up to that point. The reason every athlete puts carbohydrate in before an event is because Professor Noakes told them to do so. And now he is telling you that he had it wrong. We do not need carbohydrate. We don't even need to eat before an event if we are properly adapted. But if you are the type of person who feels better with something in your belly, put something in, but I would preference... Um, as I say, you know, an easy, easy digestible sort of meat and fat, something that's not going to sit in the stomach too long because there's nothing worse than trying to run a marathon with uh, with a bit of a bloat in your belly. You know, we want, we want to be as lean as possible. And this is another reason the carbohydrates is absolutely counterintuitive. For every one gram of carbohydrate that, the, that you consume, the body's going to hold on to two, three or four grams of water. So in the in form of glycogen, if you were to carb up before marathon, you could be carrying an additional seven pound in body weight. Now, if I was to hand you, you know, a seven pound weight in the form of a cast iron dumbbell and tell you to strap that to your belly and do a marathon, you would tell me to go and jog on. You know, And that's exactly what we are doing when we put these carbohydrates in. We are just loading our body with this extra weight. Why would you want to put that weight in? Absolutely counterintuitive. Uh, 
so yeah that's my short answer <laughs> yeah and a great answer and yes you're right with the book the reason i bring this book up which is the biochemistry book that i used i don't know if my uh, camera is on mirror but anyway it's a biochemistry book and not a uh, book that's sponsored by a pharmaceutical company or by uh, anyone selling supplements or someone with a vested interest it was a biochemistry book and 120 grams over 24 hours is what your body needs of carbohydrate of glucose however you want to say it uh, and that's coming from the liver it doesn't have to come from dietary um, sources so when somebody's fasting they, they don't drop dead you do a three-day fast where's that glucose coming from it's coming from the liver it's not coming from what you're eating but rich that answer i'm going to cut out and make a separate little bit just on Drony's question because that was an amazing answer. So that that was really good. And that's the sort of thing that's in the fat club as well, you see, these questions. Uh, here's a really interesting one from Cammy. Uh, I think I found the reason why I haven't been able to fat adapt. I've read studies that say that some hypothyroid people, that's those that have uh, low levels of the thyroid hormone, can have 30 to 50% less ability to produce glucose from gluconeogenesis. Um, yeah, I went, and that makes total sense because if you're hypothyroid, you've got that decreased metabolic rate. That's the first thing. So if you've got a lower metabolic rate, that means that the body utilizing um, energy is going to be happening at a slower pace and obviously gluconeogenesis requires energy so if you've got a lower metabolic rate you've got a lower energy turnover then the energy required to do gluconeogenesis could be you know a factor into why you're producing less glucose because there's less energy to actually do the process um i just made a quick note of a couple of other things because you said i wonder how you fixed it the other thing is it could be impaired hormone signaling so um the thyroid hormone that stimulates various enzymes involved in gluconeogenesis. So with the lower levels of the thyroid hormones, remember hormones are signaling to, to make things happen. That's not going to happen. So that basically will not signal that the process of gluconeogenesis needs to happen because you've got that lower um, enzyme activity. So I don't know if uh, Rich wants to sort of, jump in there and the other thing is the altered substrate availability because when you've got um gluconeogenesis going on it tends to need substrates normally you know non-carbohydrate substrates such as lactate and uh you know amino acids basically fatty acids so um if you've got decreased levels of amino acids or glycerol um then that's going to cause a problem for the production of gluconeogenesis. So I don't think it's going to be that one, but it's going to be the first two, I think. Did you want to um, jump in, Rich, or are you happy with that? Yeah, happy. I think there's um, there's a whole piece that we could do on this. I think there's a whole, maybe one evening we'll we'll set aside for um, for for thyroid um, yeah. uh, hormones in general because it's a question that I've been asked quite a lot lately, and I don't think it's... Um, yeah, I don't think 10 minutes is probably enough to go into. But Well, I've done two videos on it, um, which are in the Fat Club. And um, that's going to be a nice segue to what Tom has said here, because I've also got some on my YouTube channel uh, saying, I really enjoyed Stephen video Stephen's video about the liver. Well, actually, I've done three parts because the liver is so complex. Part one, two, part three. That's actually part uh, three and four. So I did four parts, but I cut it into three bits. 
and he's saying that um, I dropped some interesting fact bombs. Love just sticking to the facts and sprinkling in the carnivore perspective. Yeah, which is why well, just did we came there, which is um, you know the three main reasons for the lower gluconeogenesis. Um, uh, and but one I wouldn't have thought would be a problem with the the lower of um, availability of substrate. I don't think that would be a problem, but it would be the first two possibly. Alexandri, I was tracking macros on the animal-based diet, but not any more since on carnivore. Uh, Rick, uh, at Richard, to go low body fat, were you counting macros to go down? And he's putting ca- uh, in, in brackets at calories. Macros, I was tracking calories. I wasn't. Um, you can... <laughs> It's a complex subject in regards to calorie because if you were switching from one diet to another, calorie is is irrelevant. And as we know, it's it's not the calories. Calories technically do not exist. Um, as I'm sure you know, Jonathan, the composition consultant, can agree that you know we've um, we've spoken with Professor Bart Kay and his explanation, which goes into you know a lot of detail. Basically, there's no mass to a proton uh, or photon even, but it. It, it's it's not the calories. Now, even when you consume something, it does contain um, some form of, of energy. Now, if you were coming from a high carbohydrate diet to a carnivore, then you can't track the calories. The calories do not transition because it it goes well beyond calories. The caloric model doesn't account for the effect of insulin, doesn't account for the thermic effect of food, metabolic rate, ketogenesis, the effect of lectins, uh, nor inflammation. So if we were coming from a high-carbohydrate background, for example, um, and we were consuming a bowl of muesli in the morning that contained, say, 500 calories, or uh, some steak and eggs that contained 500 calories, that bowl of muesli is going to signal the body to store at least five times more fat than that steak and eggs, despite the caloric value being the same, because of the effect on insulin and the combined effect of the lectins. Lectins will bind to insulin receptors, and it'll, they'll signal the body to store five times more fat uh, than than um, the effect of carbohydrate alone. And then we've got the other factors uh, in regards to the phytic acid and the lectins, which are blocking the absorption of the nutrients in the protein. So phytic acid will block the thing, uh, to, uh, the absorption of zinc, iron, and magnesium by as much as 100%. Um, zinc, for example, is essential for the production of testosterone. We need testosterone to build muscle. So there's all of these other downstream deleterious effects of, of consuming um, certain foods from from certain sources. Now that said, if you were living a strict carnivore lifestyle and you were to track calories, then you would have a better gauge because the meals you you're eating are the same. So in essence, you're lowering the volume. Um, so let's not talk about calories. You're lowering the volume, but macros is what I tracked. Um, I would always ensure that I was I was hitting my protein. So protein um, at 0.5, we need. To, to maintain the muscle that we have. To, to stimulate growth, it needs to be 0.2 grams per, per pound of body weight, uh, which is why I consume over a gram. A gram per pound is, is a good um, metric to have as, as a generalization, although depending on your goal, it can change from there. But what I would do is uh, on specific weeks, I would drop my protein down to 0.5 grams per pound of body weight. So I would be at maintenance to ensure that I didn't lose any muscle mass. And then I would do, um, I would alternate the, the days that I would be consuming fat. So some days I would drop my fat and just eat lean protein. So when we are reducing the amount of dietary fat we're consuming, the body ramps up the amount of body fat that it burns, that it oxidizes. But fat is essential for the production of hormones. So I would do a fat refeed. So rather than a carb refeed, I would do a fat refeed uh, a couple of times a week. 
Um, you can do this every other day. I found that I would go strict. So I would go maintenance protein, super low fat, as close to zero as possible. And to do this, I would eat things like tuna, um, chicken breast without the skin. Um, uh, my favorite was bassa fish because it's incredibly high in protein, um, but zero fat. And I would reduce the fat to stimulate my body to ramp up its ability to oxidize stored body fat. And then every third or fourth day, I would have, I would have a high fat refeed, which would gain weight. It would store weight uh, as in fat in the intracellular myelipids, and it would be enough fat to stimulate the production of hormones. Now, year on year when I competed, um, I became leaner and leaner year on year. So nothing moves in a straight line. Um the, the leanest I got in regards to body fat percentage was 2%. Uh, that's not healthy, but it's fit for purpose. I had a goal and I managed to make and achieve that goal. But the first year I competed, I probably achieved maybe 8% body fat. The next year, you know, 5 to 6 And year on year, as my body adapted, the ability to cut and, and strip uh, became greater and greater. So it didn't happen overnight. So don't expect just to keep on losing weight. You, you, what will happen is if you start to reduce the amount of dietary fat, your body will preference stored body fat and you will lose to a point. And when you stop, when you begin to stop losing that fat or it begins to affect your concentration or your health, then's the time to stop, start putting fat back in, get your health back, make sure your cognition is correct and then persevere maybe a couple of weeks down the line. But nothing moves in a straight line. So don't expect to, to do this and achieve, you know, incredibly low single figure body fat because health is, is more important. We all want, you know, ripped abs, um, you know, but the fact of the matter is that, that health is incredibly important. Uh, and what you tend to find is people who are incredibly healthy. Um, yes, they may have abs, but very few of them are ripped and shredded. Um, you know, if we look at the likes of Dr. Chafee, you know, he, he's, he, he has abs, but he's not ripped and shredded down to 2%. He's got abs, but he's, he's beefy. He looks fit and healthy. Dr. Sean Baker, Jonathan, the composition consultant, ripped, you know, but not competition condition day in day out myself i have abs but i'm not in competition uh, condition every every single day uh, and i great, reference the pro yeah great i'm gonna have to stop you because in a minute we're over on rumble and i don't care about saying the name rumble now um it's and you time to get me started <laughs> <laughs> the link to it is in the comments um and uh, if you want to, if you want to join us, I do apologise to everybody who has put questions and comments that we haven't got to, and I do apologise for that. Um, the super chat does move you up. I'm not trying to push the super chat; it does move up questions, um, so I just get to see them as they come through. So I've realised that we've managed to get to the last question was was about seven forty time for us here, but. Um, yeah, we're over on Rumble for the next hour. Thanks, Rich, for that great answer. And thanks for everybody for turning up and, and thanks for putting the questions. And you can always put questions, you know, uh, when we post that the live stream's happening, you can put questions in the comments and we will deal with those first. So uh, brilliant. Thank you so much. And um, good night, YouTube. See you in the next hour. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Your support means the absolute world to me. And if you're enjoying the show, I've got a small favour to ask you. I'd be incredibly grateful if you would consider becoming a supporter and make a small monthly donation. Your contribution will really help to improve the show. I'll be able to improve the software, maybe put a few more episodes out and do many things that I'm hoping to do in the future. 
do them a lot quicker. So it's a small monthly contribution. You can cancel at any time and the link is in the show notes. Thanks very much for listening.